Greetings to those who watch below. For today's video, we're going to take a trip to the creepy side of Reddit with some true, terrifying Reddit encounters. But before we do, I'd like to give a huge shout out and say a massive thank you to those who dwell below, an exclusive channel membership that you can find out more about by clicking the link in the description box. So thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Jess Black Curtain, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, and Christina Groves. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the stories. My Not-So-Quiet Camping Trip by Bullet Black Wolf This is a story from a road trip my fiancé and I took back in 2010. Our trip had been relatively benign and uneventful, with a few exceptions. One of those was a trip through Colorado. We were on our way to the Rocky Mountain National Park, but it was getting dark and we needed to stop for the night. A quick look at the road atlas showed us that there were a few campgrounds a short hop away. After a short discussion, we decided to try and find a few of them. The paved road turned into an unpaved, washboard-like trail. The trees around us turned from pine to birch, and the forest just felt wrong somehow. We continued onwards nonetheless, determined to find the damn campground. After about an hour of driving slowly, so we didn't shake the car to pieces, we came across one of the camps. The campground was like something from the beginning of a mystery thriller. Everything was overgrown, the fire pits were growing weeds, the signs were all rusted or shot up, and the moon didn't quite penetrate the trees. We decided that this was not the place for us, and continued onwards. After another hour of driving passed by, it was pitch black, and the road got amazingly tough in spots for our tiny little Aveo. We resigned ourselves to another night sleeping at a rest stop, and began to try and find a way out. Suddenly, we saw bright headlights in the road ahead. We continued forward, and found ourselves in a large clearing. Headlights from behind us turned on, blinding us from seeing the road out. Three men, wearing various expressions of anger and fear, appeared out of the gloom, and approached the car. In the bright lights of the two trucks, I could now see a burned-out trailer, and all the men were wearing black clothing. The look of malice on the man approaching my side of the vehicle burned its way into my brain, and I was instantly terrified. I yelled at my fiancé to floor it, and he was desperately trying to find the exit. We finally saw the trail marking reflectors across the clearing, and gunned it out of there, with the men jumping out of the way in surprise. The final half-hour before we found our way back to civilization was spent in creeped-out silence. We stuck to sleeping in rest stops and national parks after that. It should have been a beautiful drive, but it was a trap. This story is why I always tell someone where I'm going and how I'm getting there. By Word Blender. I lived in New Mexico for several years before moving to the Midwest. My friend Amy and I would spend many days exploring the remote corners of New Mexico, discovering abandoned ghost towns, and enjoying the quiet, desolate beauty of the desert. One afternoon in March 2010, we were travelling from Rudoso to Albuquerque. Always up for exploring, we took a back road rather than travelling the more direct highway. One leg of our journey had us on NM55. It's a remote, teeny-tiny two-lane highway, we love those types of roads, up until that day, 
This part of New Mexico is flat and desolate desert. You can see for miles, and there is virtually nothing except dirt and rock between towns, and towns can be miles apart. So we were going on NM55 north. After a few minutes, we saw a white pickup truck ahead of us going the same direction. Suddenly, he stopped his truck sideways in the middle of the highway, blocking both lanes. We were about a mile away from him, and as we got closer, we began to get uneasy. We could see no reason for him to do this. We were the only other vehicle out there, and we began wondering if we should turn around, rather than come up to him and have to stop. We were about half a mile away from him, when he pulled over to the opposite side of the highway, but his truck was still pointed the direction we were going. We tried to relax a little. Surely this guy was a rancher or something. Maybe he was checking something on his land. As we passed him, we noticed a few things. One, there was only one person in the truck, a middle-aged guy who never took his eyes off us. And two, he was talking into a walkie-talkie. A few seconds after we passed him, he pulled back onto the highway and started following us. But he never got too close. He would get to within a few car lengths and then drop back a little and then speed back up again to within a few car lengths. We were getting nervous. We realised how alone we really were. We had seen no other traffic on that road and we hadn't told anyone about our great idea to take this detour. We checked our cell phones and neither one had signal. Typical for remote New Mexico but scary given our present situation. Amy was driving and speeding up while I frantically checked the map, hoping to find a road that would have more traffic. There was no other road. We had to travel this one to get to the next town. Turning around to go back the other way didn't seem like a good option. After a few minutes, we saw another pickup truck coming towards us. He was going very, very slowly, maybe 20 miles an hour if that. This pickup was old and beat up, whereas the one behind us was newer. Amy had us up to 75 mile per hour, which wasn't typical for us on these 55 highways, and we blew by the old pickup. As we passed, we saw it was another middle-aged guy, and he was talking into a walkie-talkie. After the white pickup passed him, he pulled a U-turn and pulled in behind it. As we watched all this, we could see the white pickup truck guy talking into his walkie-talkie. No doubt these two knew each other. We were being deliberately followed. And for the first and only time in my life, I felt hunted. They stayed right behind us. We watched for obstacles in the road. We truly thought old beat-up pickup guy had set up a trap in the road and our vehicle would be disabled somehow. We talked about driving into the fields as we were in an SUV. But this was obviously their territory and we were afraid of what would happen if we went off-road and got cornered, so we stayed on the highway. By now, white pickup truck guy was right on top of us. We could see him talking into the walkie-talkie, and he stayed right on our bumper. And old beat-up pickup truck guy was right on top of him. The three of us sped down the highway. The white pickup inched closer. His manoeuvring and edging closer made it apparent that he was trying to bump us. I watched helplessly as he got to within inches of our back bumper, Amy floored it. We were passing 80 and edging up to 90 mile an hour. The road was flat and deserted, but any little thing going wrong would have been catastrophic. We absolutely were not going to slow down or stop if we could help it. 
the white pickup pulled into the opposite lane and started to gain speed. The only thing we could think of was that he wanted to pass us and get in front of us. If he got in front of us and his buddy was behind us, then we'd be boxed in and trapped. We looked frantically at the rocky desert on both sides of us. Our only option was to off-road it. Should we risk it? Could we speed through the desert and make it to safety in one piece? As we topped a small incline, we saw a sign that said, Salinas Pueblo Missions National Monument, and it pointed towards a road on the left. And right at that moment, a blue pickup truck pulled out of that road and onto the highway in front of us. As we came up on the blue pickup, we saw the plate said US Park Service. We looked at each other and then looked behind us. Both pickup trucks did U-turns and went the other way. We followed the blue pickup to the next town and then made our way to Albuquerque. I don't know exactly what those guys' intentions were, but they weren't good. There is something seriously wrong out there. I notified the state police, and they said they would keep an eye on things. This area is very near Bellin, New Mexico, which is where Tara Calico was abducted. It's also about a 100 miles from Elephant Butte, which is where David Parker Ray had his little secret torture laboratory. We didn't put all that together until later. Even though David Parker Ray had died by the time this happened to us, we do believe that there are others out there like him, and whoever abducted Tara has never been caught. Or maybe we came into meth lab territory, but since this happened on a natural highway rather than a backcountry road, I tend to discount the meth lab theory. Whatever is going on out there, it's not good. Scariest Wild Encounter of My Life by Haifu Arzad To start off, this encounter happened to me around five or six years ago. I was in high school at the time in a rural part of Texas. I lived on and worked a ranch, approximately 200 acres in size. Being in hill country Texas, it was extremely rocky, with varying levels of terrain, and extremely dense with cedar trees. The closest town was the town I went to school, with around 2,000 residents, and the closest Walmart was a 45-minute drive down a country highway. On this particular night, it was deathly cold, with a vicious wind chill. For some reason I was having an argument with my parents, and I grabbed my jacket and headed out the door in a rage for a walk to cool my head. Exactly where I walked, I don't really remember. I checked up on my horses in their little stable building, walked around a few trails, and spooked some random deer. Eventually I made my way to a gated off section of our land. This section is approximately 20 acres of unkept forest, with a winding trail that seems to circle around endlessly. Bear in mind, at this time it was definitely dark outside, and the moon wasn't exactly full, but bright enough to somewhat navigate without a flashlight once your eyes adjusted. I'm not sure what possessed me to do so, but apparently I decided to venture down into this 20-acre no-man's land. This alone is a very stupid idea, considering all the grass is knee-high, and the barely visible trail had cedar growing into it, Snakes, mountain lions, boars, and even possum and armadillo could all be pretty dangerous and aggressive at night if you stumbled on one. Regardless, I went on, the first part of the land isn't that bad. It was a small dried-up pond that drops off around 20 foot down. The trail ran right beside the pond and connected to a natural land dam that would overflow in years of immense rain. Anyways, I continued on the little land bridge 
and stopped to look around. I'm not sure how long I was standing there, but I was out in the open. Surrounding myself in the pond was extremely thick foliage. Eventually, I get a pretty strange feeling, and I look further up the trail where it disappears in the tree line. On my life, I stare at the spot for ten minutes before I realize exactly what I'm staring at. About fifty yards away from me, I see this really black shadow, and I hone in on it. I guess I first thought it was a deer, but the second I process the image in my head, my stomach drops. It was a man, crouched down by a tree, watching me. Now, I'm not one to get scared easily, and I have a pretty good head on my shoulders in high-pressure situations, but I blanked for a good five seconds. The nearest town was miles away through winding dirt roads and down long highways, yet here was a man staring at me on my fenced-in land. I remember quickly coming to the understanding that it couldn't be my dad or someone I knew, since the entrance was behind me and it was a school night, and we had no company over for a few weeks. There was also no other entrance or exit, unless you hopped a fence, which was relatively low compared to the high fences of the main bit of land to keep exotics in. The thing I remember most vividly is how still he was, and how fast the trees around him were blowing in the wind, how chilling the night was, and how cold and sick the piercing feeling of dread I was experiencing was. Thirty seconds must have passed before I finally blurted out, What the fuck? The man didn't seem to like that very much, I guess, because the second I opened my mouth, he straightened up and took off into the trees. I never ran faster out of there, quickly undoing the large gate and sliding the lock shut. When I got back, I think my parents had retired to their room for the night. I locked the doors, turned the porch lights on, let the dogs into the yard, and went upstairs to my room and grabbed my forty-five. I didn't sleep for the next two nights, and I kept my forty-five ready next to my bed. I later learned that later on in the week, there had been a slew of robberies and cattle killings along my county road. I can't remember if there were murders, but I don't think so. Among the things stolen from the ranches and houses on my road were an assortment of guns, and allegedly, people had reported a man wandering around. If I could compare this to something, imagine experiencing Daisy without zombies in real life, running up on some random guy in the middle of the night in a forest. You're unsure if he has a gun, what his intentions are. There's no one and no help around for miles, and if he just decided to open fire and kill you, no one would know, or bat an eye for a good while. I've since moved away to college and started working in the big city. I love the country, especially at night, because of how relaxing it is, but every time I spend a weekend up at the ranch, I always have that small thought in the back of my mind. Even though there isn't a soul around for miles, something or someone is definitely watching. River People by Tanagram Memorial Day 2015 My boyfriend at the time and I got an invitation to meet up with some friends who were hanging out at a marina just outside of the city we lived in. The marina wasn't in the best neighbourhood, but the friends we were meeting had hung out at this spot on the banks of the river a few times before going camping and canoeing. I'd heard from my friends about how the last time they partied here, a guy who'd just gotten out of prison ended up joining their campfire, and how it had made for a great story. They all laughed about it, 
and it became something of a group inside joke. Tyrone asking them to play Wonderwall on the guitar all night. At every party I'd hear about it. Hey, remember that time at the marina when Tyrone... blah blah blah. Everyone would reminisce and cut up about how hilarious the night was. It became somewhat of a tradition for them to go to this place on summer holidays to enjoy the water and surrounding nature. Feeling invincible, and that nothing bad would happen to us, we decided to join up with three of our friends for a night that was sure to be a good story for future parties. We did get a story to tell, but it wasn't light-hearted, like singing campfire songs with a convict. It was something darker, something that we'd only talk about in hushed voices at parties after we'd had a few and could brave bringing the memory to light again. It was already dark by the time we drove the 20 minutes out of the city to meet up with them. Honestly, I was in a sour mood, because I had to work early the next morning, and didn't want to be out late. Why we hadn't left hours previously to meet them is beyond me. Knowing my boyfriend, myself, and our crew of friends, we'd end up drinking on the riverbank until we were too drunk to drive home. Fall asleep outside, my phone would die, my alarm wouldn't go off, and I'd miss work and get in big trouble. I remember standing in the parking lot once we arrived and feeling extremely unsettled. I was pouting against the trunk of my boyfriend's car and giving him a stern talk, saying, We can't be out here too late. I have work tomorrow. If we end up camping here tonight, I'm going to be pissed. I don't even want to be here now. But since he was the one who had driven us out there and was looking forward to hanging out with friends, I didn't push it. He promised we wouldn't be out too late and that he wouldn't get drunk. I almost demanded that he take me home right then because I felt so uncomfortable being there but I didn't want to ruin our entire night. At the time, I chalked it up to being in a bad mood and acting like a Debbie Downer. But what ended up happening later told me that I should have listened to my instincts and gotten the hell out of there ASAP. The marina is essentially just a big parking lot with a couple of boat launches and a pathway that went into the surrounding woods around the river. It was isolated, poorly lit, and since it was a long holiday weekend, all types of people were out partying in the woods. There were at least four other cars in the lot, one of which was our friend's car. We unpacked the car and started walking through the woods on a narrow path with a six-pack of beer and our phone flashlights to see in the darkness. Our friends were already out on the riverbank with their canoe and had texted us their location. My boyfriend had also been there before, so I followed his lead. After a few minutes of walking into the woods, we heard two guys behind us talking in slurred speech to each other saying something to us like, You guys having a good night? We assumed they were just wasted and laughed, responding, Yeah, we're just getting started. They mumbled more to each other incoherently, and went off on a different path into the woods with their flashlight. We didn't get a good look at them, but I remember they were wearing gym shorts and cut-off muscle t-shirts. It had startled me a bit, because they seemed to have come out of nowhere, but they didn't seem threatening. We brushed it off and weren't concerned that we had run into other people, since we knew we weren't the only ones at the marina. Now, it seems like they could have been stalking our movements over the course of the evening, because of what was to follow. I'll try to explain the landscape a little more for detail, that'll be relevant later on. We were directly on a rocky riverbank, so to our one side was water, and to our backs was the woods. We had entered the woods from the left end of the parking lot, and took a path that eventually forked in the middle. Once you reached the fork, by going down the right path about 50 feet or so, you wound up at our campsite in the riverbank. 
If you stayed straight on the path, you went deeper into the woods until the path met some fallen trees, really overgrown brush, and ended. The spot we picked had a large, flat, open embankment, but further up, the path pretty much just dropped off into the water, as it was on a steeper part of the hillside. It seemed to us at the time that there was one way in and one way out of the area, and that anyone who went up the path essentially had to walk past where we were all sitting. I'm sure there were other smaller paths around, since the woods weren't super thick, but the one we took to the water was clearly walked on frequently and often. Finally, we reached our friends, who have laid out a blanket and have already cracked open some beers. We had all intended to row out to a nearby island with the canoe, but we'd noticed some people already set up camp at that spot and could see their campfire from the shore. Oh well, we figured this was just as good a spot as any to enjoy our evening, and weren't miffed about the change of plans. We started to relax, had a drink ourselves, smoked some cigarettes, then talked about starting a fire to keep warm in the cool evening. We gathered some firewood from nearby, and explored the path a bit more, not running into any more people for the time being. After we started a fire and settled in for the night, I tried to cheer up, get out of my shitty mood, and enjoy the company of my friends. It was difficult though. I found myself staring down the path, and jumping at every little sound or twig cracking in the distance. The guys weren't paying much attention to the surroundings and were talking loudly, in their own world. At one point, I distinctly remember my friend's girlfriend leaning over to me and saying, Do you have a weird feeling about tonight? I just feel like something bad is going to happen. It freaked me out, because I knew exactly what she was talking about. No matter how many beers I had, or how much I tried to distract myself with light conversation, something about the night just felt off. It's like the air was full of electricity and danger. A few minutes later, a group of about five men, aged between 20 and 25, appeared out of the tall weeds and started walking towards our fire. I could see them squinting in our direction when one of them said, Is this Joe's party? I made out some silhouettes of figures in gym shorts, but couldn't discern any physical features because of the way the campfire was casting shadows around the trees. They had plastic bags in their hands, which I assumed were full of towels or after-swimming clothes. We all said, no, you got the wrong group. They apologised for bothering us, wished us a good evening, and started back the way they came. It seemed then that their group split off into two different parties, though, because after the interaction, three of the guys stayed close by the tree line, trying to kick over a stump in the ground, making a ruckus, and two more had gone farther up the riverbank with their flashlights. I could see the light dancing off the tree branches and the water, but having walked farther up the path earlier with my boyfriend for firewood, I remembered that the path turned into a dead end. I waited for the light to start coming back towards our campsite, or the group to walk by us, heading back towards the parking lot, but they never passed by us again. The three men messing with the stump left after a while, and I figured they went to find Joe. The flashlight beam disappeared from view, and I stopped thinking about it, turning my attention back to my friends. About twenty minutes passed, when our conversation was broken by something that made us all go dead silent. Suddenly, we hear a man about fifty to seventy-five feet away, yell loudly, Hey, what are you doing, man? Then a sort of shuffle of feet and movement. Get away from me, he yelled. What do you think you're doing? Then, 
the sound of something making contact with skin. No! Stop! We could hear a struggle taking place. Help! Somebody help me! Followed over and over and over. It then dissolved into what sounded like an assault. We heard something hitting something. Maybe a fist in the man's body. Maybe a blunt weapon or a knife as he screamed for help. We heard only his voice as the assailant seemed to have surprised the guy and began attacking him without saying anything. He yelled in agony for what seemed like forever until he finally went silent. You could hear his voice weakening, his groaning faded, as it seemed he went unconscious, or worse. I can never unhear the sound of it to this day. My friend yelled into the distance, Yo, what the hell? And it brought us all back to reality. Whatever had just happened, had happened just beyond where we were sitting. We had a small fire burning. We were very clearly visible from the tree line, and five of us had just witnessed someone being brutally attacked. The rushes and weeds near us started rustling as all chaos broke out in our campsite. We had to leave the area, and fast, but we were cornered. We stood up grabbing bags, shoes, only what was necessary and within reach, and got ready to run. Someone doused the fire. We couldn't take the path, since that was likely where the attack had just taken place, and someone was probably about to burst into our campsite and ambush us. I didn't dare look behind me. The canoe. It was the only way out. We started pushing it into the water in a panic. I got in first, uncontrollably shaking and sobbing. My boyfriend had sense enough to grab my purse and handed it to me as he helped my friend get the canoe far enough away from the shore so we could push off. My friend's girlfriend was holding me, trying to calm me down, but I was too afraid to move or speak. Everyone else was silent, with straight fear written across their faces. With five grown adults in a small canoe, all I could picture was the boat capsizing, or someone picking us off from the shore with a gun. We paddled out to the middle of the river, and watched our campsite disappear around the bend. Once we felt out of threat of immediate danger, I called 911 from the boat, and shakily told the police what we think had happened. The cop on the line was impatient and terse, only saying that they'd already gotten a call about the situation, and he hung up on me. As we floated down the river, the boat launch at the marina came into view. We could see from the water that the parking lot was alive with ambulances and police cars. We hurriedly docked the boat and climbed out, carrying the canoe up the ramp. No one stopped to ask us any questions or even noticed us, a frightened group of hippies conspicuously dragging a canoe behind them. I saw some cops walking down the pathway that led to the river with flashlights, but they weren't moving with any sense of urgency. A couple of guys were talking with officers at the ambulance, with their shirts off, wearing gym shorts or swimming trunks, but we couldn't tell if it was members of the group that walked by our campsite, claiming to be looking for Joe. But I assumed they had to be, since the incident happened shortly after we all crossed paths. Strangely, no one appeared to be injured. The ambulance cab was empty. No one was in handcuffs, and everyone all just seemed to be talking calmly. Something was off but we didn't stick around to find out if they found anything in the woods. We searched news stories for weeks after the fact, and found nothing talking about the incident. No victim, no attacker, nothing. Were we in the wrong place at the wrong time? What happened to the guy who was assaulted? Or was he just faking it to fuck with us? Were we almost victimised by a group of dangerous youths 
that had scoped us out, seeing us as easy targets. We speculated that this could have been an attempt to lure us into the woods to jump us, among many other possibilities, but we never had any answers about what happened in the woods that night. The next day, some of the group went back to gather up supplies that we left behind in our panic. They didn't find anything stolen or strange on the path near where this happened. I've never been back to that marina, and that group of friends has since dissolved and moved to different parts of the world. We went out looking for an evening of fun and got more than we bargained for. I was personally traumatised for weeks. Any sudden noises or surprises sent me into fits of panic, sobs and shaking. Eventually, I was able to stop hearing a man scream for his life every time I closed my eyes. Followed by a white van in the middle of nowhere by babysitter Steve. I'm from a country in Europe where murder or crime in general is really, really rare. So you can imagine that people aren't that afraid to walk around alone. However, I rarely go out by myself at night, just because I'm from a small town and the surrounding woods creep me out. When we're friends, however, I do enjoy the night strolls. So last week, me and my best friend went on our usual walk. We know the roads really well, and together we have a lot of fun, so we never think about scary things that could happen. The first three quarters of the way, our path is well lit by street lamps and there are houses around. Not a lot of them, but they are there. Then we arrive at the tunnel. From where on, there's no lights, and the asphalt road turns into a rocky one. We come there and spot a white van standing in front of the tunnel, to the side of a ditch that runs there. The van's not turned on, and we're really creeped out by it, but we just joke about how someone's about to follow us. When we pass by, I mention that I think I see a silhouette of someone inside, but my friend gets angry at me for scaring her. After we pass the tunnel, the path turns left, and you have to walk uphill. It's not a long or hard walk before you come to the top of that hill and have to go down again. From that point on, you're surrounded by woods on one side and open fields on the other. It's really dark, but we continue having a fun conversation for about five minutes or so before light starts shining from behind us. It's not weird for cars to pass by, as there are a lot of farms like a mile or two ahead, so we move to the side and continue walking slowly to let the car pass by. However, we look back and realise it's not a car, but actually the white van from before. We kind of freak out, hoping that it's going to pass. Well, it doesn't. We keep walking slowly for another 50 to 100 metres, and the van is slowly trailing behind us. When we speed up, we hear it rev up as well, and when we slow down, so does the vehicle. I bump my friend in the shoulder, look her straight in the eyes, and just say, Run the field to the left. Now. We both make a run for it as fast and as far as we can. We almost trip on the piles of soil, because there's lots of them in the hop fields. We finally jump down, and hide behind one of the bumps in the ground, and just wait. The van stops, turns on the strong headlights, and two men exit. They have hoods on, and they reach holding flashlights, shining in our direction, scanning the field. I think a minute or two pass by before they enter the van, turn it around and drive back from the direction they came. We have never been this freaked out and we just ran home through the field. The houses start again right by the end of it 
so we felt safe when we got there. I don't know who the people were, and I've never been followed like this before. I think we'll stay off that path for quite some time now. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like, and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, making sure you hit the notification bell so that you know when the next video goes live. So, until next time, sleep tight.